podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my left is Roy. Hello, everybody. Roy, what's up? How's it going, man? Hey, I got to meet a couple Padres today. You did. <laughs> Angela was kind enough to go down to More Furniture, More Furniture for Less, which I always thought was a funny name. Um, she went down there way early and was number two in line to meet Hunter Renfro and Chris Paddock. That's sweet. Yeah, so I went straight after work and met up with them and... We got to go through the line, and I we got a baseball. We have a, a home run ball from last year yep. that uh, that Doug Bockler was kind enough to toss to us Very nice. from Hunter Renfro, so we Connection got that signed. Help. And then on opening day, Angela had Chris Paddock's warm-up ball yeah. that he tossed to her, and so he signed that as well as her jersey. And then I guess a few people, once there were a handful of people into the line, the agent stepped in and said, wait, 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 Chris can't sign all this stuff. He's only signing these cards that we brought here for everybody. Interesting. So let's... For a second there, so we talked about that before we got on the air, and my thought is, what a jerk. But my second thought is, like, that kind of makes everything that he does sign a little more valuable. I, I, I suppose. It, it, we're not, like, going to sell it or anything like yeah, that. no, no. It, it's just, it becomes more valuable. I suppose. I, I don't know. I'm... I mean, the, the 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 engineer in me starts thinking, like, if he's signing everything, you know, you're using the same hand that you throw a baseball with. Right. So what if you're standing there signing for 5,000 people, and then next thing you know, you're... And you're swollen, you got carpal tunnel syndrome, or a carpal... <laughs> yeah. I always call it carpal tunnel syndrome. Carpool. I'm not... I'm not... In, I'm not... In, that's not my job. Um, but breaking, this happened just before I left the house. I wanted to throw it on... Uh, by the time it comes out, everyone will know, but uh, Mad Fresh tweeted that after the leadoff hitter uh, got a hit, Luis Torrens called for the trainer to come out. Adrian Morahone didn't grab anything or look in pain, but exited the game. No report yet on the severity of it. They gave up a leadoff hit, and I, I'm, I'd like to know, see the video and see exactly what was going on. Maybe there was something about his velocity. Maybe something just wasn't right. Right, right. And that's, that's what a good catcher does. He can notice everything that a pitcher does correctly and does everything wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times when they go out to talk to the pitchers, like, look, your, your front side's opening up or, you know, whatever has to happen, he makes those tweaks because he's, he's that into the game. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. But moving on, uh, starting off, and this is going to be a topic for, I think, a lot of the podcast today, is, is balls flying out of stadiums. Um, J.J. Cooper wrote for Baseball America an article on what's been happening with the Major League Baseballs being used in AAA. Yes. Yeah, both the International League and the Pacific the Pacific Coast League started using the same baseball that Major League Baseball has been using for the last couple of years. Now, the thing is, is to bring, you know, they, you know, they say to bring uniformity into the game that they want the guys in the highest level to be hitting with the ball that they'll be using if they ever make it. Well, not just base. hitting, but pitching. Yeah. And the difference between the Major League ball and the Minor League ball is the major league ball goes farther. <laughs> it goes farther. Uh, the seams are tighter, and the you know the seams for the minor league uh, ball are raised a little bit. Which um, I don't know about necessarily. Um, I think that would get, create drag in the ball when it was hit. Maybe not go as far. Well, but, the seams would cause a breaking pitch to break more. Right. So a pitcher would have a harder harder time making a slider bite or curveball curve or that kind of thing or even a four seamer it's not going to ride the same or a you know a cutter will cut three inches instead of six and that's the difference between finding the barrel and finding the handle. Absolutely. So the the major league ball has smaller seams and better quality leather. The minor league ball has larger seams and by all accounts and numerous players does not carry as far when hit. The tolerances for minor league balls are greater and the core components specifications are a little different. 
the two balls are actually made in two different manufacturing facilities as well. The traditional minor league balls are being built in China, while the MLB balls are built in a Rawlings-owned operated factory in Costa Rica. So, so supposedly the materials are supposed to be the same construction methods, the same and all of that, but clearly there's something that's different. Well, the leather is better. And say what you want, but it's just, it kind of it kind of ticks me a little bit that the baseball is made in another country. And, and, and I know that the gloves are made in other countries. I know the bats are made in other countries. But it just seemed like, you know, Rollins, you're an American company. Why not have these things made in America? I'm not America guy. It's just an idea. It was just a thought. It just, I thought it was kind of funny. Well, Costa Rica is Central America. It, right. Well, I guess it is the Americas. Um, <laughs> so I, I saw a discussion about this earlier. Uh, Kyle Bodie that runs Driveline yeah. um, was responding to somebody. He said it feels, talking about the PCL ball compared to Major League, he said it feels like a smooth stone with laces tightened like a tensioner strap. That the, the, the leather feels so tight and it's such a hard rock of a ball. Um, so it's going to take off. And yeah. we saw that the last couple of years that home runs are up throughout the league. And now in the PCL, especially also in the international league, we're seeing higher rate of home runs. But I saw an analysis that was done that the Babbitt, the batting average on balls in play is yeah. essentially the same. So balls that stay in the park are performing the same. It's that the fly balls just happen to leave the park at a higher rate. When you hit it square, it goes farther. Yep. Um, you know, you, the, the MLB says uniformity, but what it really boils down to is the money. The AAA teams in Major League Baseball were shared the increased cost of the switch the MLB balls. The, pardon me. The MLB balls cost almost twice as much as the minor league balls, running close to $100 a dozen compared to $50 a dozen for the minor league balls at wholesale. It nearly costs $200 if a fan wants to purchase a dozen Major League Baseballs. So if you're a pitcher on a rehab assignment, would you rather have a ball that has higher seams and a little tackier leather so that you can get the break on it? Or would you rather have the same thing you're going to be using when you come back up to the majors? Funny thing you ask, because a lot of rehabbing pitchers like to use the minor league balls because it doesn't travel as far. They get more bite and uh, it makes them look better. Yeah. So, okay. So that's, but that's kind of eyewash, if you will that now okay you come back up and the stuff that got you there isn't there anymore because you're using a different ball right it doesn't behave the same i think we see this a lot with guys coming from the japanese league because their their balls have significantly higher seams i believe it's just a tiny about smaller yeah we have a bigger baseball and i think our baseball is a little like an ounce or two heavier maybe yeah it's still i think it's still adheres to the regulations of major league baseball the same rule but it's just a different manufacturer and there's enough variance in the tolerance but so then they come over here and again in japan it's all about command and breaking stuff and so then they come over here and it doesn't do the same thing so like you see somebody like kazuiza makita that's kind of right on that fuzzy edge of being viable and then he comes here and it doesn't do what it did and he's no longer a viable major leaguer. Right. And he's not even a triple A, he's in double A. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to that on that same thought, you know, back when um guy you said Makita, uh Dice K, you know, the big thing was him with the gyro ball, the gyro ball. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a slider, guys. Uh, you know, and it didn't slide as much as it did in the Japanese uh league. But going back to this, uh, you know, and the season has shown an explosion in triple A home runs. Lee Valley beat Rochester 20 to 18 in 10 innings in a game that saw two teams combine for 15 home runs. That's in this time of year as well. Um, 
The two teams each had 19 home runs in their entire month of April. And just this week, El Paso had four guys hit home runs in a game. And there have been 13 games where a AAA team has hit four home runs in a game. So what does that mean for pitchers? That means it sucks to be a pitcher. Yeah, their ERAs are up. Um, and it, it makes it easier for evaluators. Um, it, it, it kind of inflates a player's stats. It does. And so we're going to get into what the guys are doing in El Paso right now. There are a couple of guys that are putting up impressive numbers. Very impressive numbers. But when we were in El Paso, the the one hit that Luis Arias had while we were at those two games, he hit a home run that hit the scoreboard above one of the buildings in right field. Yeah. And it was a bomb. Like Dogtown, or what do they call that? The, the, the dog the house. The dog house. Yeah, dog house. Yeah, and I'm sure it was a big hit, but having that hard ball and then there at elevation, the wind was blowing out a little mm. bit, it makes it look that much better. And you see this tiny guy go like, oh, that's not, it's either steroids or the ball. And well, steroids aren't a thing anymore. Maybe it's the ball. Um, Chicks take the long ball. Right. Well, and, and so here's the thing with, with evaluators in double A. I, so, I don't mean to be sexist with the chicks comment. It's just a phrase. We all dig the long ball. <laughs> true. Uh, homers bring in people. Um, the, the thing about the, the evaluators in double A. Okay. So if you say Chuck hits 15 homers in double A. Well, he could be a 20 to 25 homer guy in, in AAA and in the bigs because they're using the same ball. That's true. Uh, yeah, and that's been that's been a topic of discussion for guys like like Urias, yeah. uh, Nick Madrigal, these guys that are contact heavy, okay, line drive, single double hitters, but give them a couple years, and when he comes up, oh, then the hot ball plus the added velocity that major league pitchers have, is he going to be able to pick up, is he going to become a 10, 20 home run a year guy? Right. We saw a little bit of home runs. We saw a couple home runs last year from Urias. Mm-hmm. That he's, went to upper tank in Philly, I think. Yeah, yeah, he went second deck there. He, he's got pop. Yeah, I think he's he's showing more pop than than what they expected. Maybe some of that's due to the leg kick, but he's he's put on a lot of weight, a lot of mass. Yeah, he's 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 thick. He's he's got some muscle on him. So that was that, there, and we'll go more into that as we get into uh, the affiliate rundown. But Lance Brozdowski just had an article on Ryan Weathers. We we touched a little bit on it last week. Um, and I, I wanted to go a little more in depth in it for for you guys. So looking over Ryan starts, his dad could see the curveball coming out of his hand, and if he could see the ball, hitters could see the ball. And on top of that, he was also slowing down his arm when he went to go throw the curveball. So his dad in the this last off season, his dad had a slider when he was in Miami. Then he was traded to the Yankees, and Mel Stoudemire got a hold of him, and they tweaked the grip. Uh, they moved his fingers up the horseshoe. Uh, on the baseball, and that became the slider that he used, uh, and then now that Ryan uses. Um, reading here, also you have less wrapping of the hand with the slider, and it's out of the same arm slot as as a same arm slot as his changeup. Uh, you know, a change in the grip took away the red dot of the seams you get when you throw a slider. So when you throw a slider like red dot, oh, it's a slider. You know, you get that quarter of a that flash of a second to go identify the pitch. So do guys actually see that? I know I see it in my league. Like as soon as a ball starts looking like a cement mixer and you know, we're, we're, we're getting these cement mixer lollipop curveballs. I'm sure in the major league baseball, you see a red dot and that's why it's a red dot. Cause it's that much faster. The spin is that much greater. And you have that fraction of a second instead of a white fuzzy ball. You see a little red dot. Um, a lot of hitters will number balls. A lot of hitters in the offseason will put uh, colors on the balls and will call out the color or the number that's written on the ball before they hit it. 
Oh. Bloke. Number five. You know, and, and they that's how they work on identifying pitches and just working on their hitting. Wow. Um, so, so they worked on a slider. Now he throws, he's throwing curveballs today, but, you know, he added a, a slider to his repertoire. It sounds like it's more of a slurvy kind of a pitch where it doesn't, it's not the horizontal movement. It's somewhere in between. A little bit more of an angle, a little more bit of a, What's arc? Not arc, but yeah, little, like a like a, a like a one thirty two o'clock to whatever the opposite would be. We are seven thirty eight o'clock. Right. Where's Lance Brozdowski to give us a like? Ah, oh, it's the tale of the depth. Now, he's so good at describing all that stuff. <laughs> he is. Who's at the game tonight? Him and Travis Barnett are at the. Uh, we're at the Tin Caps game tonight. Oh, nice. So going back to the article, uh, you know, they've really worked on. You know, his dad really protected his arm. Ryan did not throw a breaking ball until he was sixteen years old. Uh, during his youth. If you threw 80 pitches in an outing, 70 would be fastballs, and the other 10 would be changeups. And when you're throwing gas that young, you don't need to throw anything else other than slow, fast, slow, fast. Um, this allowed him to develop command of the fastball. In quotes, all the stuff he was learning is new, David said. We protected his arm the best we could, but that's why I feel like his fastball is such great command. He limited him to two pitches. Uh, Ryan, I have confidence in my fastball and changeup, and that's been my bread and butter. Ryan added, but to make that jump, you got to have two swing and miss pitches. But the fastball command is where it all starts. Yeah. And that's what Darren Balsley has preached from day one, that yeah. you command the fastball and then everything else works off that. Yeah. What did what did McKenzie say in spring training? Command wins ball games. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what that's what makes Chris Paddock so successful. I mean, yeah, he's got the, the changeup that he can throw for strikes and he's got the guts to throw it all these different places but it's the fact that he can spot the fastball in corners. And then when we see um, Eric Lauer struggle or Nick Margavichus, when those guys get yeah. touched up, it's because the fastball, the target was down and away, and you see the glove float up and in. Middle in. Yeah, and middle in, there it goes. <laughs> and major leaguers do with what those happen. They go far. Yeah, I think that also kind of speaks to what these guys see. So he's, Ryan's in Fort Wayne right now. Yeah. So if you've got nasty stuff in single A, you can dominate batters yeah. you can blow people away yeah. and you don't need to have the command because you've got a repertoire of pitches you've got the the filthiness that people just haven't seen and they don't know how to react to yeah it. the young hitters that are not gonna yeah you know, that's what the, that's the great thing about a ball is you can kind of establish what you have uh and it plays like velo plays in a ball um it's when you get into the cali league which is the hitters league is like now you're into another league where yeah they can hit velo and they can identify uh the breaking off speed pitches mm -hmm. um to a better extent. Um, and then you get into double A, and it's like you're almost hitting against major league hitters because these guys are the elite, you know, are getting very elite. Um, and that's when you need to, like, uh, in, in the Cali League, I believe that's when they start using more of the breaking pitches, more of the off-speed stuff, and using that that level for command. Learning how to sequence uh, yeah. their pitches and that a kind of thing. Absolutely. So things like slowing his arm down or being able to recognize the hump on the curveball when it comes out of his hand, that's yeah. something that... that the hitters in his league right now probably wouldn't be sophisticated enough to be able right. to do. But when he makes it up to AAA and then the big leagues, you'll see that. Yeah. So I, I think that may have been some of what Cal Quantrill might have been dealing with because he's gotten touched up a bunch. But then just recently, he's turned in a couple of solid starts, including a really good one yesterday. We'll, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And also, Logan Allen has done really well. And I, I didn't I put the I put the Cal stuff on, but I didn't put the Logan stuff on. Um, we'll go more into that <laughs> later on when we get to the affiliates. We change the affiliate. Yeah, when you see rundown. guys struggle and they make adjustments, that's the kind of things, the yeah. kind of adjustments that you, 
batters starting to pick up on things and then a weakness that didn't get exploited at a lower level that now they do. Yeah. So when you see a guy in AAA in September, he's not he's not pitching to the same quality of player that he is in AAA in April because a lot of those guys got called up to the big leagues and then you've got backfill from single A, double A on a lot of those AAA rosters. So when you see the guys making, I mean, not to discount what Nick Margavich just did in double A at the end of the year or what happened in El Paso yeah. at the end of the year, both those guys turned in fantastic outings, all three of those guys. Yeah. Uh, but they've, especially Quantrill and, uh, and Logan Allen, they both struggled. Well, they struggled in the spring and mm-hmm. then that struggles went into the beginning of the season. The first two st- the first two starts and, but they're just the first two starts out of spring training. It's not like you're, you're right. It's not like September where they should be well developed and they should be in, you know, mid season form. Yeah. In the end of the season. Uh, uh, but we'll get more into that a little bit later on. There's uh there's a, we have a lot to cover here. Emily Walden writes uh, on the friendship, Luis Patino and that he started up with Jose Quintana. I found that really interesting. I was completely unexpected when I read that article. Way, way unexpected. And and here's the thing about these young players. Um, and any player, it's like he didn't do it alone. You know, these guys, um, if it's someone in spring training, if it's someone like you're going to read about here in a minute, uh, that's in your own country, another countryman who's a major leaguer. And Luis Patino's, who's this 19-year-old kid? You well, know? Well, and Jose Quintana isn't old. He's still quite young. He's 30. Is he really 30 he's, already? He's, he's 30 in the article. Wow. Feels like he's been around. It feels like he hasn't been around that long. But no, I guess so. He came up with uh, with he, the Cubs. With, with the Cubs. Yeah, and that, traded him that for, Cubs-White Sox trade feels like it was just last year, but I guess it was like four or five years ago now. I'm showing my age. <laughs> but I like the idea of mentorship. And it, it seems like, Luis, when you read that article, it seems like he's already taken that on, that even though he hasn't, I mean, he's in single a still yeah. but he's yeah. already kind of taking guys under his wing that let me show you what i do absolutely so luis is from barakia and jose is two and a half hours away from barakia barakia god i knew you were gonna do that to me uh and jose quintana is two and a half hours away from aronia arjona arjona uh and they met through mutual connections when jose moved to barranquilla barranquilla um, their first meeting led to regular off-season work between the 30-year-old pitcher and the Padres up-and-comer, including excursions to Cantana's house in Colombia. Uh, he gave me a, he gave me like a big present the first time I met him. Cantana said, smiling. I, I want to know what that means. What that big present is? Whether that was just the fact that he opened up his, opened up and welcomed him in, or if there was actually some form of present. Anyway, continue. I'm thinking maybe a fruit basket or some kind of maybe from the city. Because it's in the article, it talks about Emily writes about how um, Barakia, Barranquilla uh-huh. is the cultural center of, of Colombia. It's a very cultural city, has a lot of art, has a lot of stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a jet set city. Um, so maybe it's something like that. I'm throwing darts, throwing darts. Uh, their first meeting led to regular offseason workouts. Um, he's a really good guy. Some people told me about him, and I started to work with him. And it was great. He listened a lot, and he's an amazing person. Luis, you know, I got to sit down with a good guy who was in the big leagues, Patino said. He comes here, Peoria, a lot to watch my games. This guy is a big league player, and he takes the time to come watch the game and talk about what happened and if I, f- and if I feel bad or good. You know, and he tells him, this is good and bad is going to happen. Don't mm-hmm. get too high. Don't get too low. 
just focus on what you need to do and you know you'll be you'll, you'll get the most out of yourself I, I would imagine that there's some of the 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 tough honesty that you can go out there and pitch a good game and feel good about yourself and yeah. walk off all pumped up and then somebody kind of needs to be in your ear to say you know you were making a bunch of mistakes out there right. so let's pay attention to what you did well and what you didn't do well today right or the, the the converse, you can go out there and pitch and hit your spots, and it's just guys happen to be touching you up. And so then you walk off hanging your head, but you executed. You you did your plan. You were throwing the pitches you wanted to throw. It's just guys were touching it. You know, and it's great when coaches come to you and say, like, hey, you know, you did what you, you threw good pitches there. There's nothing you could do there. They they hit good pitches. Yeah, you know, but for somebody from your own country that speaks your language and understands your culture to be able to say it the right way. Absolutely makes a difference. And that's why, you know, it takes a village to raise these, these minor leaguers into big leaguers. Well, and I like that they're, they're, they're passing the, the baton, passing the torch yeah. on to those behind it. Because, I mean, what does he really have to profit by helping Patino? It's, there's, there's nothing in it for him other than the satisfaction that he got to help somebody else. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing. You know, that's a great thing. With, uh, we talked a little bit of that, about that last week episode with the major leaguers you know in the past it was major leaguers like go get my coffee rook ain't telling you anything Mm -hmm. you have to earn it um this this idea of people helping each other you know uh, older players helping younger players uh because they want to see him succeed who doesn't want to succeed in the big leagues oh yeah and because if fernando tatis plays well then he helps the team win and that's good for everybody yeah then we're all we're all looking better. Our stats all come up together. Our next contract's going to be big. We're going to get bonuses from making all star games and making the postseason and all this stuff. It's excellent stuff. Yeah, good stuff. So moving on, uh, you want to read that? Baseball America's hot sheet. Yeah. Came so there were two. Uh, pod- just hold on. Why just call that the pod sheet? Because like it's every week now. There's a couple of Padres in this thing. Well, he went pretty deep this time. I think Cal Quantrill was the 14th player listed. Um, and Josh Naylor, I believe was, oh no, Ty France was the other player that yeah. he had listed on here. Um, and we, you've got Ty France down here in the affiliate rundown, but, um, Cal Quantrill, um, he pointed out that why he's here, he's two and O with the 2.31 ERA in his last two games, 11 and two thirds innings pitched 11 hits, three earned runs, three walks to 12 strikeouts, not a single home run. And he's pitching in triple a where everybody's touching him up like crazy. Um, so he describes it, the scoop. Quantrill fell out of the top 100 prospect list with a rocky season at double A last year, but just as everyone seemingly stopped paying attention, he finished the year strong at triple A El Paso. Back at El Paso with the major league ball flying out at a prodigious rate all around triple A, Quantrill managed to keep the ball in the yard in his hitter friendly home park while striking up more than one batter per inning over two starts last week. Quantrill has gotten better each successive start to begin the year. And if his command, Oh, and you cut off the, uh, Copy paste here. I don't have the rest of the quote, but the point here is that he he Command was consistently continue. He, he was doing okay in spring training, and then at the end he kind of fell off. And then he went to El Paso, and he really struggled. And now he's turned in two solid outings. So we were expecting that out of spring training, like before spring training, even we were talking that Logan Allen, Cal, Cal Quantrill, and these other guys were going to be in the rotation mix as early as opening day. Yeah, and. Then that seemed to disappear at the end of spring training. Well, now maybe there's hope that with a few more good starts and some more, you know, progress that we might see these guys by midseason. And the pitching staff certainly could use it. And we, they're doing a great job on the major league team, but they're thin, they're young, there's pitch limits, there's innings limits, there's... We got duct tape and 
ducks out there. I mean, we're just, it's really just throwing out, we're throwing spaghetti against the wall. Well, you kind uh, of with are. The best, with, with what we have to work with. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're, they're good pieces that you're working with. I and mean, even Pedro Avila throwing him up there for one start, and he turned in a, a solid start. Yeah. Margavich is, has exceeded expectations, but at the same time, you watch what he did last year, and he was able to keep doing what he did that got him there. Um, so, again, if these guys can continue to be successful, we may see them soon, and the pitching staff certainly could use a rest. I'm sure by the time you get to the middle of the season, they might be willing to take Chris Paddock and option him down for a couple of weeks to give him a rest in the middle of the season. Right. That kind of right. thing. Well, and, and I like the whole idea of, like, fours and in fire. Like Cal has been, he, like it says here, he's fallen off all the list, and he was on all the list not too long ago. He was um, with the, with the bad with the bad double A last year, um, making him the pitcher that he's going to be. Like we haven't given up on him. I don't think the organization, by any stretch of the imagination, has given up on him. I think the fans have because they see they we want production, we want guys to do well, um, but that's just going to make him a better pitcher. And it's that forced by failure that's going to like make them that much better, hopefully, in the, in the major leagues. And when success doesn't come, or f- when failure eventually will come, because it's baseball, um, thank you, Bud Black, that he'll be able to get past it quicker. You know, you, you mentioned it, Bud Black, and I think sacrifice bunts, but I watched Cal Quantrill take batting practice, and that guy can rake. Can he rake? Yeah, he's got a swing. He's, he can he can put some power out there. Oh, and we're gonna get more to that a little bit. Like just hold Triple A here in a minute, but uh, uh, so his challenge last year it seemed to be finishing batters. I know you pointed that out a lot that yeah. he would get to two strike counts and then struggle to close a guy out. Foul, 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 drive the ball. So is it some mental thing that he had a hard time with his focus, being able to place the pitch where he wanted it? Was it a sequencing thing that whatever game plan they were preparing or what the catcher was putting down or whatever was, wasn't was working? Some Hopefully something there changed. Yeah. And this, is, this isn't just a couple of good starts. There's something that's clicked that's going to continue moving forward. Yeah, and, and we don't know what that was. Maybe they were having him, okay, try to finish guys off with a curveball. Uh, you know, try to work off your changeup and then try to finish them off with a fastball. They, they were working with more, I know not last year, but the year before, he was throwing, I don't remember what pitch it was, but he was trying to develop a particular pitch and he was throwing it a lot. I think it was the curveball. And in, in counts where he wouldn't typically throw it, which is good, and that's what you want to work on when right. you're in the low minors, but then when you get up to that level where you're right on the precipice, you kind of throw the development side out of the way and you know focus on what I do to win. Yeah, production and getting it done. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's all the news for today. So what we've done and what uh, what me and Roy have talked about uh, with the affiliate rundown has changed a little bit. We uh, we we felt that some some of the uh, you know the the games a week ago got you know a little bit old, a little stale, a lot of bogged down in minutia and, and what like. Um, so we've changed it up to um, each affiliate will get a rundown, but it's going to be single, double, triple. It'll be three stories. Um, maybe it's a promotion cool. Uh, maybe it's a player. Maybe it's a certain game. But you're going to get three stories, and occasionally I'll throw in a home run if there's something uh, you know really, really cool to talk about. But uh, that's how we're going to run the affiliate rundown. I hope you guys like it. Let us know what you think. If you wanted more of the, of the game rundowns or if you like this idea, we like this idea, and we think it's going to go over really well with you guys. It's going to make the podcast go a little bit smoother. 
So starting out in El Paso, single. I should start with home run, but it is single because it's the first one. Uh, Ty France has been absolutely a beast in in uh, in El Paso, and he was also on the hot sheet. Uh, this last Tuesday and Wednesday, he hit two home runs back to back. So well, Tuesday he hit two home runs, and then Wednesday he hit two home runs. Yes. And, and then, then yesterday, him and Josh Naylor went back to back twice. Back to back twice. And one of those homers um, and Wednesday was a game winner. Like his second home run was a walk. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that goes back to the Major League Baseball, that being played in the AAA. That goes back to what El Paso is. Is a It's a pretty large field. You've been there. Is it a large field? Yeah. I mean, it's not extraordinarily large. It's not like Coors Field large, but it's a larger field. Yeah. And the ball is just flying out of there. But it's the it's the desert air. The It's not a, a ton of elevation, but it's just the atmosphere there yeah. the ball carries. And the orientation of the ballpark, it tends to be downwind. Okay. Well, in Texas, anything in Texas, I think the whole Texas League, double-A, triple-A, is just ball flies well it's amarillo Texas, that's dry. that's kind of a topic that's been surrounding amarillo coming into it is they are at elevation the the ballpark is laid out dead downwind and so they put a humidor in to try to soften the ball a little bit to make it play a little more neutral so getting back to ty france uh he's sporting a 50 percent walk rate it's a small sample but 50 percent is pretty good he played his first base and second base to begin the season hitting 418 well, uh, he was we, playing first and third, and then the last week he's been playing second, second base. base. Uh, and then just tonight we looked it up. Uh, Luis Urias was playing shortstop, and he was still playing second base. Um, hitting 418 with a 47 OBP. Uh, had a 14-game hitting streak going into tonight. I don't know if he got a hit or not, but 14-game hitting streak. He went 0 for today, 0 for 4. Oh, uh, 0, 0 for 4. Oh, France. <laughs> you know, hit the back-to-back home runs with Josh Naylor twice. Um He's, this last week, why he made the hot sheet was he's hitting 571, 636 with a 1.5 um, OBS. No, that's his slugging. That's, sorry, slugging. That's 571 um, average, 636 on base with 1.5 slugging. Okay, 16 for 28. 13 runs, three doubles. I mean, Ty France is hitting doubles. Uh, a triple and seven home runs, 17 RBIs, one base on balls, and only two strikeouts. And he's been hit by a pitch a couple times this week. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I think sorry. he's been hit by a pitch six times so far this season. <laughs> Which works on the on-base percent. I'm sorry. He was hitting 423. I, I just wrote that before I left. Um, so when when does he get the call? So Why doesn't he get the call? So it's a complicated question because hey, the big league roster on the 40-man, well, obviously you got Ian Kinsler. He right. can't go anywhere. Right. He's on the active roster. He's making $8 million this year and next. Well, four year, 3.75, 3.75, then a half million dollar buyout on his option. Yeah. And then you've got Greg Garcia backing him up. Your utility infield guy. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Greg Garcia, what I've seen so far. And he's fine for his role. Yeah. And then Rios is back in AAA. And so that's a lot to already carry on the 40 man. I think something would have to happen like an injury to Kinsler to open up an opportunity for France if it's going to be at second base. So you're you're talking the phantom injury call it could up be. to get him you know, that bat. That's not as bad as Kinsler's been so far. If there's some reason that they can if if there's some tweak that he has and okay, let's send you to the minors for a month while you go rehab and bring somebody up, that I could see that happening. Yeah, I, I definitely see. But I'll tell you one thing, if that was Vladdy Guerrero Jr., 
hitting 423 in AAA, he'd be up in a heartbeat. But he since would be. he's not the future, since the future is in Luis, mm-hmm. he is getting overlooked. Well, Ty France is a backup. I mean, his profile isn't as a starting stud corner infielder, which is what is, and he's a corner infielder. Right. And he can play a little bit of second base. They've even had him catching a little bit. So I, I kind of like the idea from a roster construction standpoint. I like the idea of having a third catcher, at least an emergency catcher right, on the right, roster right. that isn't like, hey, Greg Garcia, go put on the catcher's right. gear. You caught in high school, Or you've got somebody that actually has a little bit of a recent experience. So then you can use Mejia or if they had Austin Allen on the roster, you can, you can pinch hit and know that if that guy happens to get injured or if your starting catcher gets injured, you've got a competent backup. You don't have Joey Cora or Arky Sinfraco getting down back there. So there could be an argument there for bringing Ty up just to let Luis, just to relieve the pressure of having to have someone on the roster that, well, A, he's going to, he could, he deserves it, A, and B, he could produce while it gives Luis Urias time to develop, time to do whatever he needs to do to figure out what he needs to figure out. So what do you think of Urias as being optioned? I, I don't like the opportunity. They didn't give him enough opportunity. They didn't give him enough at-bats to, to kind of solidify that he wasn't doing well. I mean, it was obvious when he was at-bat, you're like, woof, woof, that was a bad at-bat. Yeah. Um, but I, I again, such a small sample size, such infrequent playing time, which is where you hear the fire Andy Green, which is where you hear he wasn't given enough opportunities. But if you hit, you play the next day. And if you hit, you play the next day. Well, that's not always the case because we have seen examples where somebody's had a good game and then that's true. That's, you that's, know, like Hunter Renfro will have a good, you know, good two or three at bats, and then there's Franville back out there in right field. But I'm not here to pick apart what Andy Green is doing. I think a lot of these decisions are happening a level above him. That is coming down from Preller and the other people in the player development okay. side. Maybe they're trying to cherry pick opportunities where they think that Rios is going to be successful. So I. I think that there was a reason why he was given the chances to play when he did. And also they have to give Kinsler an opportunity to get going as well. Right. So if as you a, just let Kinsler rot on the bench and then you bring him in to pinch hit, I I think Kinsler's a little bit better than what we've seen so far. I don't I I don't believe that we're gonna see much out of him, but right. the team stuck with him, they're paying him. And he's a veteran. He deserves yeah. that chance, he deserves the time. It's it's the it's the service time. So it's the respect of a veteran player that you he'll figure it out even if he hits two twenty five. It feels like Chase Headley last year, where he was out there doing okay defensively and then just a mess at the plate. At the plate. But Arias, so somebody was po- pointing out the difference between Arias and Tatis. The Tatis did struggle his first ten games or so, and then he's taken off. But even with those first 10 games, when the the numbers in the slash line weren't there, he still was putting out good at-bats. He looked comfortable in the box. He was identifying pitches. He was swinging at the right stuff and taking the right stuff. He was being a little bit unlucky. He didn't look overmatched. Every at-bat that I've seen Urias take, he looks like the approach isn't quite there. The, The balance isn't there. He doesn't quite have the confidence, the whatever magic sauce that it takes to be a good hitter in the major leagues. Well, and that, and we'll, we maybe we'll wrap it up with this is, and that is makes the whole difference. The confidence, the, you know, Will Myers talked about it when he wasn't hitting so well last year. Like it got in my head. I started changing my swing. I started doing this. Now that's okay for him to make maybe a, a semi established player, but someone coming up that's just trying to figure it out. You start changing stuff. What got you there 
it's not it's not good and it's horrible for confidence there was a video clip i saw and there was no audio accompanying it but it was one of those shots in the dugout and i don't know what was going on but you could see the look on rias's face he was kind of kind of pouting a little bit and you saw tatis grab him by the by the the jersey right and say something to him and i don't know what that exchange was but I think that was a little glimpse into just kind of what's going on inside Luis Reyes's head. So maybe he is feeling a little bit overwhelmed, overmatched, frustrated, right. whatever it is. So send him back to AAA where he can play every single day, yeah. not worry about the team winning or losing so much as am I putting in my work, am I changing? So you can, you can look at things like strikeout rate and walk rate. His walk rate has stayed pretty consistent, but his strikeout rate, until he got to double A, he'd never struck out more than 10% right. at any level. At double A, I think it was like 12%. Last year, that jumped up to 20 And then in his limited major league at-bats this year, it's like 37%. It's huge. And and to be... And to be uh, my idea there is like he was taking some borderline pitches that they were calling strikes. Mm-hmm. You know, he was trying to show that patience at the plate, that eye at the plate, but instead of getting the call where he would in AAA, and I know we've talked about this before, he was getting a called strike. And there's like, God, that used to, where I come from, that's a ball, you know? And so he, that, he gets, and it just snowballs from there with the strikeouts. Uh, but we got to move on. But I, I, that's really interesting. It was a big topic on Twitter yesterday, big topic on uh, Ben and Woods this morning. Uh, for a double, uh, the coolest thing, man, did you see? Okay, you saw the, the wooden throne. I saw the, the pictures. The wooden throne. Yeah. I don't know how to do the Game of Thrones sound. I've never watched um, an episode, so I couldn't tell you. Okay, what the so Game for the Game of Thrones promotion, the, the team had built the wooden throne. It was a um it was a chair made out of bats instead of uh instead of swords. Uh and they're calling the game the game of crossbones. Players had their picks taken sitting on the wooden throne. Uh, really cool picture of Logan Allen. Really cool picture of Cal Quantrill. Um, I don't know. Was it, who else was in that picture? I saw Jacob Scavuzzo. That's Scavuzzo. Then it was him. Um, and the cool thing is Logan Allen, he tagged Emily Clark, who plays uh, Daenerys. I don't know her last name. I'm, I'm, Daenerys Targaryen, yeah, the Daenerys. mother of dragons. Yeah, she's the mother of dragons. So he like took his picture and then tagged her with it on Instagram. Said, sup, girl, with a little snake on it. It was kind of <laughs> cool. Um, so I reached out to the guys in El Paso, and uh, this is the origin of the throne, the wooden throne. The wooden throne was forged in a fortnight and was made from bats that were surrendered from the inside heat of the pitcher king. Oh, sounds so foreboding. Yes. Um, so that was cool as hell. And then they auctioned off the jerseys and the hats. Did you put a bid in? No, we didn't. Okay. We thought about it. We were looking at it. I know that our friend Steve that sits in the bullpen with us was all about it. He actually DM'd us and was asking us if we were if we had our eyes on anything because he didn't want us to be bidding each other up. Right. Uh, but yeah, we didn't we didn't get anything on that. And you even tweeted, they even tweeted you uh, a link to do it online, which I thought was yeah. really cool. Angela was interested. We thought about it. We were looking at it for a minute, but we uh, we didn't pull the trigger on anything. I'm not a Game of Thrones fan. I know Angela's not. We just, if it was something that we were into, then we would be all about it. Yeah. It's just, it, it didn't quite hit that button for me. But I, I want to get it. I, I don't have a Chihuahua's jersey, so I need something. I would rather just get a plain, you know, one of their standard right. ones or one of the, like, throwback ones that looks like a Padres jersey. Yeah, the Diablo. Than... I like the Diablo. The, oh, yeah, the, that the one's chili, cool, too. 
the chili with the arm or chica with the swinging of the bone. That's what they're doing for the Copa Diver, Diversion. It's the margarita. They're, we, they got the margaritas that they're also bringing back the Diablos a little bit this year. So the Diablos, when they were a double A team? I believe it was double A. Yeah, they played in a different ballpark. It was over on the edge of town. I've driven past it. It's not much of a park, and it's kind of up in an exposed area, right? The ballpark now is in the middle of downtown. It's, okay, it's a yeah. cool spot for it. That's a nice, it's a nice so ballpark. So when too. Angela lived in El Paso, the Diablos were the only game in town, and it wasn't really worth going out to. And so she was pretty bummed when she left El Paso and found out that they were getting a AAA team. Not only was it a AAA team, but it was a Padres AAA team. But anyway. Uh, so triple for uh, El Paso. Well, we have to go back to Wednesday's game, and here's why. Justice Sheffield, uh, Seattle's top prospect, who was traded to Seattle in the Zach Britton trade, gave up only three hits, and one of those was a two-run homer by Perella. Of course, Jose Perella. Right. So in six, point two, in six and two-thirds innings, uh, gave up just the three hits. Then they scored eight runs after he left, and here's how. The eighth went, get his homer. France, two-run shot. Perella doubles in Austin Allen. Then Jason Bosler hits a two-run shot. At this point, it's 9-7. to seven. El Paso, top nine. Tacoma hits a two-run homer and a single in another run. So they're up 10-9. to nine. Then the bottom of the ninth, Naylor gets on, and up comes Ty France. Here's the pitch. And it's swung on and hit. Far going back over the wall. We can walk it off in El Paso. Oh, that was good. That was pretty good. Um, it was a walk-off homer, and that was another one of those games where just people were hitting homers left and right. Boom, boom, homers, homers. Um, just a phenomenal game. And this Justice Sheffield is supposed to be, and I was surprised that they traded such a, a, a top prospect for Zach Britton. As good as he is, um, I couldn't believe that they got rid of him because I really uh, was expecting him to be a Yankee. But that's um, that's Justice, that's Sheffield's son. It's Gary Sheffield's son. Is it? It is. I, I was not aware of that. Yeah, he is the pitcher. Not I guess I hitter. never put the connection together. Yes. So you mentioned Michael Geddes. Yeah. And I, I think it's worth noting that he has done a ton to bring to raise his stock. I, they've pointed out in the Mad Friars newsletters a couple of times this week that he started out slow. He was batting oh something yeah. at some point through, I think, seven or eight games. And now all of a sudden he's turned it on. He's hitting for power. He's hitting for average. He's looking like a different player. That's good. He's it's streaky, so it, maybe he's going through a hot streak, but you know, ride the hot hand. Well, and exactly, it, it's just like kind of Gable Arias in you know it, 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 Lake Elsinore. If he's starting to hit, that's more the power to him. That's what we want. You know, oh, yeah. it's not like it's not too little, too late. He's hitting in AAA. He's hitting when mm-hmm. he needs to be hitting, and that's fantastic. Um, going on to Amarillo, a single. Buddy Reed was named Texas Player of the Week. Uh, April 4th through the 14th, I know I said the 22nd, uh, Buddy went 10 for 28, hitting 357 with a team leading six home runs, including an inside the park home run. Kind of went over a little bit of this this last week. Um, 13 RBIs, four walks, a stolen base, and nine runs scored. Reed is currently batting 210 over the, over the 15 total games so far in 2019. He currently leads the Texas League with six home runs, tied for first in RBIs, and tied for fourth in total bases, 32. And tied for fifth and extra base hits. So, talk about the inconsistency. There's there's some there. There's some not there. Um, but it's happening. And, you know, sure we want to see the huge, you know, we want to see tons of hits and we want to see the high batting average and, and the slugging. But with Reed, that bat's gonna is still coming along. 
but it's coming. It's coming along slowly, but it's coming along. He's still striking out at a 27% rate this season. Yes. So the strikeouts are there. I, it seems like he just ran into a bunch of them all of a sudden for a week. Uh, the struggle is going to be there for him this year. Yep. There's a lot of adjustment that he needs to make. And he also isn't, a, he isn't for his age, he's relatively inexperienced in baseball, being that he grew up playing hockey, lacrosse, soccer, more than he played baseball. Yeah. So there's been a lot of steps that he's had to make as he's come up through the ranks so far. Okay, so I wrote this before we had the breaking tweet from Mad Fires, but the double... Uh, after two disastrous outings where Adrian Morahone lasted only four innings in each, giving up four earned runs and five earned runs, respectively, had his best game so far. The young player, youngest player in the Texas League. Do we just own the youngest player? <laughs> it's like, okay, who you got coming up, Padres? Well, yeah, they got the youngest roster in every every league that they've got. In every level. You know, with Josh Naylor, with Luis Urias, with Fernando Tatis, now Morahone. He had seven Ks, two hits, and three base on balls in five and two-thirds innings. Uh, 83 pitches and 47 for strikes. That came from EVT. So a lot of this information does come from uh, East Village Times and James Clark. So let's pray that whatever took him off the mound today was some precautionary something that they saw something wasn't right. right. Let's just give him a couple days off and get back to throwing. And you know, and it's sad because he was just you know he's had a good start. Yeah, and it's the bill on it's, it's tiny. It's still way early. So if anything is happening with what happened today, there's still plenty of time during the season to salvage it. But you wanted him to start somewhere, and I guess they started that last start. Well, these little hiccups are the same kind of thing that he was running into last year. There weren't any obvious defined injuries. Right. It's just little things here and there kept creeping up. Yeah. It's yeah. knock on yeah. wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Knock on wood. So triple, uh, speaking of triples, we're not going to – Jorge Ona uh, has gotten off to a hard start. Um Albeit, you know, albeit in all singles, he's got 16 hits and 51 at-bats. He's got five home runs, uh, 13% walk rate, gives him a 410 OBP. He's still got a lot of swing and miss in his game. Um, 29 point, uh, you know, 29 strikeout, 29% strikeout, sorry. Uh, but it's good to see he's making contact. And still, he's 22 years old uh, in double in A. Now, here's the thing with Ona. When we signed him back in 16, I don't think he'd played for the whole year. I think I remember reading something about him not playing. He had played for a while. Well, yeah, because he's a Cuban. He was a Cuban defector. Right. So he had to go through that whole thing where they leave Cuba. He has to establish residency in another country for a while. Yeah. And as as we've learned more about how this whole thing works, it really is a human trafficking human situation. Traf- yeah. So they're hiding out. They've got somebody who's moving them from hotel to hotel. Meanwhile, you've got other people trying to find him and track him down to bring him back to Cuba and then playing in a showcase here and there, working out here or there, not playing in in organized games for months, if not a couple of years, before finally coming back around. And I believe he had missed that whole year and then came in and obviously he's going to struggle even even in uh, you know a ball he, he kind of struggled. Yeah, but he was a different player than the guy that they thought they were getting. That you see him when he's 16, playing for the Cuban national team, hitting tape measure home runs, yeah. cannon of an arm, an athletic guy, even though he's built like a spark plug, and then you and then plug. you work for That's a so year good. and a half or whatever to, to sign him and bring him in, and then some of the athleticism's gone. Some of the quick twitch doesn't quite seem to be there. The instincts yeah. aren't what you expect, but that's because he just lost a couple years of development. Yeah. And if you think about it, because when he was supposed to be, what, a, like a junior and senior in high school, he was 
hiding out. It's hiding out, trying to make it back to the Amer- you know, trying to make it to America. There was a story about Yasiel Puig a while ago where he talked about how he made it to the United States, and that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me to read that and see what he went through. Well, Jose Abreu for um, the first baseman for the White Sox. I think they ransomed that guy. I think they, they held him ransom. The guys held him ransom. Yeah, yeah. there's kidnapping. There's and a lot of money involved. I think the involved. feds got involved. Like the country, yeah. it was So that's been thing. part of this thing about the Major League Baseball trying to make some sort of an agreement with Cuba to, to work around this because essentially the industry of baseball is supporting the human trafficking. Yeah. And so they wanted to make it so that they could pay, that Major League Baseball could pay a fee to the Cuban Baseball Federation. Federation. But the problem there is that the people that run the Cuban Federa- Baseball Federation are pretty much in the pocket of the government. So right. when you're making a payment to the baseball organization, you're making a payment to the government. And that's where the U.S. government said, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Kind of like in China, like Yao Ming, I think he, like 70% of his pay went to the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have... The president, I don't want to touch more on this, but the president just kind of nixed that whole idea. Now he's really just kind of making it happen all over again. Yeah. So these guys are starting to be human trafficked. Uh, and, you know, that talent pool is going to start to dwindle. Uh, I think it's kind of dwindled a little bit since uh, we've had this openness with, with Cuba. Yeah, most of the high-end talent is being picked out of there at a young age. Yeah. You don't have the uh, Ulyeski Guriel that's with the... Astros right now he was I think 23 or 24 a stud so we saw that first world baseball classic so these guys they were able to be signed when they were old enough and Puig was one of them that he was old enough that he could be signed and go straight into the majors it wasn't the it 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 had what's the limitation oh it gets around the amateur um the amateur free agent limitations okay that the money doesn't count against the amateur free agent pool they're considered professionals at that age oh interesting yeah so that's where they were able to sign Puig for a bunch but then it, there wasn't the penalty they could still spend money elsewhere but anyway so guys aren't getting to that age while still being legit good prospects yeah you might see somebody who pops up at 23 24 25 but they're 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 not that level of of prospect yeah so that winds up that winds up Amarillo going on to Lake Elsinore single Mad Friars and EBT interview with Robbie Fedorsky. Um both obviously both these came two through. separate interviews. <laughs> two two separate interviews. This wasn't a collaboration. Entities. I'm um, sure I'm sure they all get along just fine, but this was two separate things. I'm trying to bring everyone together. Uh Robbie Fedorsky is too small, five foot seven, twenty-four years old, too old to play in the California League. I've been undersized my entire life. I feel like it's a second nature to grind stuff out. I've always had to do more work to prove myself. In Fort Wayne, he had a 366, 420, and 463 slash line with 23 stolen bases and 28 attempts. Uh, he suffered, and this is what happened, is he suffered that severe lower back spasm. And I guess it was a lot worse than, you know, we were led to believe. Our, you know, they said it's back problems. Um, it says here, it does wear on you, and because of that structural damage, it's always going to be there. My entire offseason was geared to being more proactive on my body, figuring out how to fix it. When he's healthy, he's a well-rounded player on both sides of the ball, and he will perform, Sam Gini said. Uh, I like to think of myself as scrappy or like a gnat. Like he gets on the base paths, and you got to pay attention to him, which is going to do great for guys at the plate because they need to, you know, quick deliveries, quick pitches. To the plate, you're going to get guys to get fastballs. He's going to start stealing bags. Um, one of those undersized guys that keeps performing. 
So he pointed out in the uh, in the Mad Friars article that when he was in high school and college, he was able to just run. He was so fast, it yeah. didn't matter. Yeah. That first move, he was gone, and he'd be there even if they tried to pick him off. the The throws weren't accurate. They weren't. The pitchers didn't have the mechanics to be able to pick him off right, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Now that he's gotten to the big leagues, he's had to really refine that pro ball and and watch like the angle of the pitcher's glove when he's when he starts to make his move. Does it go this way or that way? And then he knows that he needs to be under the tag because the throw is going to be right there, even at the single A level. Yeah. But I just I've always been such a huge Robbie Podorsky yeah. fan. I love the undersized, the the speedy overachiever kind of guys. So he's having a really good season in in uh, Lake Elsinore so far. He's hitting 316, 386. It's only been singles, so the slugging is 316 still. But to get on base at almost a 400 clip, and he's been playing sporadically. I've seen him as the DH quite a bit. Yeah, he's they've the been putting him builder. in late innings, kind of because when you got Jack Sawinski and Tirso and Jason Tirso Rosario. and Jason Rosario, yeah, where do you find the the spot for Robbie? Yeah, yeah. But he's a good he's a good guy. We had a chance to talk to him when we went up there for that welcome dinner at the Booster Club. Yeah, you know, in spring training, I'm like, hey, you know, we want to talk to you. He's like, yeah, let me go over here and play baseball first. But like, we'll do that, and then we ended up never talking to him. Good guy. Um, great guy. I hope to talk to him this season. Um, double uh, is Ronald Bolanos. Okay. So he's off to a great start in his second stint in the Cal League. The 22-year-old is 3-0 with a 3.12 ERA. Uh, this 2016 J2 signee from Cuba made his first start in Lancaster. Ugh, what a nightmare. Pitcher's nightmare. Um you know, it's located in the high desert east of L.A. Does anybody like Lancaster? No, but not even Lancaster likes Lancaster. Have you been to Lancaster? No, I've driven, probably driven through it going to Vegas, maybe? Uh, I don't think so. It's kind of out of the way from that. I've been to the high desert Mavericks stadium. You see it going to Vegas, which uh, it's just a nightmare. But he gave up only two runs in five innings. Uh, the quirky numbers in each of his three starts. Here's the quirky numbers. In each of his three starts, he's given up three hits, two earned runs, three base on balls, and he's had six Ks. In every single start. In every single start. If you look at the baseball reference or you look at the MILB last three starts, uh-huh. boom, 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 boom. Huh, that's that's like Chris Davis's last four seasons hitting 247 exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and his last outing was a seven-inning affair. Now, here's the thing I've kind of noticed um, in, in all of minor league baseball that we've been covering. These guys go five innings. And, you know, I was thinking about that. The only five innings, occasionally they'll go six, occasionally they'll go seven, but most of their outings are five innings. And I'd like in it to, they, A, want to continue to develop other pitchers, like other guys, even if you're cruising, like we need to get other guys in. We True. Need, we need other guys to pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my thinking. But you look at all these guys, and I went through all these numbers in the uh, MILB.com website, and it's five, 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 seven, five, five, six. Um, well, that's happening across baseball, though. I've seen some. I've yeah, I read fan graphs a lot. Yeah, and there's been a trend, especially the last couple of years, that you're not seeing anybody go through a lineup a third time. Yeah. They're pulling everybody at the end of five or six innings, and part of it, I don't know if it's a pitch count thing or if it's the third time through the order thing, what it is that they're trying to reserve people. Uh, there was a thing. Um, there was an article in on the Athletic today about the demise of the no hitter. Because and it showed how many people were had a no hitter going through five or more innings and were pulled from the game yeah. for whatever reason, and it showed all of the starts that were 130 innings or or 130 pitches or more in the last like five years, and there's only like a half dozen of them 
because they're they're in decline. It used to be you'd see somebody go 150, 160 pitches yeah. if they've got a no hitter going. And now you only see somebody go past 110, 120 if they've got a no-no. Otherwise, you're pulling them because you can start playing the matchup game because that that's the advanced analytics shows right. that the third, fourth time somebody sees somebody, there's the a big disadvantage. Huge. But then you can bring in the reliever, and now you've got a significant advantage. What was it, Trevor Bauer's last no-hitter um, that Brad Hand gave up to uh, Freddie Galvis? That's right. He had like 129 pitches in the seventh or eighth inning. And that was his second or third start of the game of the season? Yeah. Um, you know, he had 129 pitches in that mm-hmm. late in the game. So, Well, you think back to when Johan Santana pitched that perfect game for the Mets, and he was never the same after that. I, I don't know if you can pin it down, but it certainly seems yeah. like he just wore him out right there. And then maybe the shoulder was sore, and it just never quite came back. And he was at the age where he wasn't going to bounce back the next year, and he was done. Yeah, so the game is changing right in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, and we're seeing that. With- so maybe they're developing these guys to be used to going, you're going to go six innings. You're a starting yeah. pitcher. Six innings is about your limit unless you're really cruising. Yeah. You know, I saw in uh, Mackenzie Gore's couple of starts, he went high as uh, low as 79 and then high as 90 in pitch count. So he's, uh, you know, he's getting his pitches in. But he was he was limited last year. Yeah. So, so they're, let, they're kind of letting him go a little bit, which is good. Uh, to, to round out Lake Elsinore with a triple, a friend of the podcast, Jack Zawinski, is picking up where he left off last season. This year in the Cali League with a 310-406-603 slash line. Excuse me. Zawinski's nine extra base hits in 16 games to go with four dingers. Last year he hit 10 and four wins. He's always got four home runs. And it's the third week of the season. He's almost halfway there. He's halfway there. He's on a tear, man. You know, and there's power in that. He's he's not a big guy, but he hits the ball hard mm-hmm. and hits line drives, and they're starting to find over the fence. Well, you say he's not a big guy, but you walk up to him. He's six one, six two, and he's got shoulders. He's got mass. He's, and you don't have to be six foot five. You don't have to be Aaron Judge to to be a power hitter in baseball. He's six one. I didn't know that. I, he's at least that. I've. 6'2 with the afro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that I've walked up to him, and he's... I'm 5'11", okay. and he's got I, at least a couple inches on me. Okay. I, well, and we were in the uneven grass in spring training, so I didn't really pay that much attention. But, you know, the four homers, he's doing well. He's hitting the ball well. He is the, playing left field. He's listed at 6'2", 206 on Fangraphs. Nice. And Fangraphs doesn't lie, Eric. Yeah, I, while we're on Fangraphs, I did want to point out that Eric, Eric. Longenhagen... Um, picked Ty France as one of his focuses on the daily prospect notes. Nice. So the same kind of stuff that the guy at Baseball America had to say, same kind of thing that he's just hitting everything. You know, and I didn't, you don't need to log in for that, right? I've looked at a couple things. Through that is free. That is free. Free information on fan graphs, guys. But let's get over to Fort Wayne and get us out of here. Um, single for Fort Wayne, looking, we're looking to train to jump on. Right-handed pitcher Efren Contreras signed in 2017 out of Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, when the Padres were under penalty. So this is in 2017 when they 300 grand is the best they can do. Uh, Contreras shines in the DSL last year, five games with three starts, 19 and third innings pitched with 25 Ks. Uh, he was in tri cities for just a quick taste, uh, but now he's in Fort Wayne. The 19-year-old in a short sample of three starts, he's 18 Ks. In 14 innings pitched, just four earned runs and six base on balls. 
In all of his three starts, he's allowed only four hits in each. It's another one of those quirky things when you read the stat line. And we're not scouting. The, well, we're kind of scouting the stat line. We're just doing well. Uh, four hits in each of his starts. Um, I've watched him a little bit, and he, he throws the ball hard. Got a great breaking ball. Um, he just comes in and blows by it and has lots of movement. Ciudad Juarez is right across the Rio Grande from El Paso. Yes. And it's also was known on another note, uh, was a, was a, for a while the most dangerous city in the world. And this is the height of the Iraqi war. Uh, the drug cartel wars, it was just, it's a nightmare. But it's changed quite a bit. Absolutely. You know, with all this political stuff going on about build the wall and all this, the, the crime in El Paso is as low as it's been in decades. Yeah. El Paso is a, is a safe, it's a, it's a nice place to go visit. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not a tourist destination, but if you want to go check out the affiliate and go to a game and go check out the city, it's, it's a nice place. Yeah. And we'll say thing with San Diego, San Diego's got, yeah, let's not get into the wall thing. I'll just get pissed. <laughs> <laughs> um, double Xavier Edwards, who is back in the lineup tonight after being sidelined with a minor foot injury is off to a solid start splitting time in between short and second base. Cause Tucapito is playing a lot of short too, as well. Um, X is and Owen Miller and Owen Owen Miller's not playing in Fort Wayne. Owen Miller's playing in oh, that's right, he's in Amarillo. Amarillo. Who am I thinking of? Who's their third middle infielder? Edward. No, no, no Edwards. Ah, uh, la 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 la. Uh, Justin Lopez. Justin Lopez. Thank you. Um, <laughs> X has got six stolen bases and eight attempts, uh, fifteen hits, all singles, and forty-nine at bats for a three hundred six average and equal amounts of walks and strikeouts in six. For a three seventy five on base, his game, it, you know, the singles, I don't, I don't care. Hit singles, get on base, walk. Speed is that kid's game. Get on, get over, get him in. So one stat that I wish Fangraphs had updated for single A is the bunt hit. I'm I'm curious how many how often he's getting on base by bunting because we saw that in spring training. He's he's eager to drop a bunt down and show off the speed. He is a rocket. Like in spring, you're like, holy cow. Now, last year, was he only hitting right-handed? Yeah. He, he was, was only hitting from one side. Yeah. I think it was only right-handed. Yeah. But being in the left-hand batter's box, he's got an advantage because he's a step closer to first base already. Yeah. Which is just cheating at his speed. I think he's the fastest guy in the organization. Well, I want to find out. We need to get him and Robbie Podorsky on the same piece of grass yeah. and, and let him go. Hear that X? Hear yeah. that Sam? We need to get those two... Together up at Lake Elsinore. Somebody came some... up with an, a question. Was it you about Ace, the world's fastest squirrel? Right. Did you bring, was that you that brought no, that Liddy up? No, wants, uh, Liddy wants someone to be, <laughs> Liddy wants Robbie Podorsky to, to be the squirrel when his baseball career ends. Oh my God, I would love that. Because the guy that was Ace retired from doing Ace. Right. Because I think he got another job somewhere. Well, he was 30 also. Yeah, but he still, he never got beat. He was he, a, he was a state level sprinter in high school, yeah. but you can't tell me that Podorsky and Edwards aren't right there with him. Oh my gosh, uh, both those guys I think would would kill uh, the squirrel. Um, but yeah, it was he was thirty. He I think he was having a kid. Like it was time for him to really kind of grow up a little bit. Um, they need to bring back the squirrel. I love that bit. I love they, they brought him to Petco. We were at Petco when they did that. I was at that game too. Um, and I didn't. I'm like, what the hell is this? Who's this Nobody guy? knew what was going on. No. It's just all of a sudden there's this dude in a squirrel costume. And <laughs> holy crap, he's running across the field. Dude, flying across the field. That's a great bit. That's better than the freeze. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you've got that inflatable tail bouncing around behind yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, this is... Uh, so, you know, it just... Uh, and here's the thing about uh, Edwards. Just got out of high school. This is his first full season of ball. He's in 316. Yeah, but you interviewed him in spring training, yeah. and he's an intelligent guy. He's sharp. He's yeah. got it. Yeah, and he would have gone on to... God, could you imagine Vanderbilt right now? The Commodores, they had... They had Ed Edwards probably playing shortstop or second mm -hmm. base. You got Ryan Weathers at the you know, pitching. Yeah. pitching. Uh, I think we have one more guy that was committed. I can't remember who it was, but you know, there's three guys that we picked from from uh, Tennessee or Vanderbilt that uh, that we drafted. Um, and and the great thing about those organizations is that they're 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 fine with it. They you know they want them to be drafted. They want those players to become major league players. So it's not like, no, don't do this. They, you know, a lot of these uh, colleges will go out of their way to help players that they've talked to and recruited. And like, hey, I'm probably going to get drafted. They're like, oh, well, here, here's what you should do. Here's what you can do. And here's what, you know, we want you to succeed. And that's what I love about some of these college programs is, is they do that. Well, and these guys get college educations out of it because baseball, I mean, hopefully you go on and live a long baseball career and you make a bunch of money and all of that. But as we see, the chance, the odds are that you're going to you're going to wash out somewhere. Yeah. And these guys at whatever, 27, 28, finally quitting baseball and no degree, no marketable skills. So there is the incentive to go to baseball, get a degree so that once your baseball career is over, you've got something else that you can fall back on. Yeah. So rounding out. So rounding out triple for Fort Wayne. Uh, let's give credit to Kurt uh, from Fremion. 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 He is Honcho1010 on Twitter uh, at East Village Times. Uh, we wrote a little write-up on our friend of the podcast, Gabe Moser. So let's check in on our cold weather-loving friend of the podcast, Gabe Moser, who says he loves pitching in the cold weather because hitters hate it. Now, I, now, remind me, Gabe Moser is from Allentown, Pennsylvania? Living there in Allentown, yeah. Okay. Village Old Town. And it gets very cold in Allentown. Very cold. And it's funny because I was just listening to the interview again before we came over, just if I can get any tidbits. And he's like, I'm like, hey, so what do you guys do, you know, to keep warm? But like, I don't know, by like the second inning, you can't feel your feet. You can't feel your fingers. You can't grip the ball. Um, he loves it because he can just throw BBs and hitters hate it. Um he ranks eighth in the Midwest League with a 1.2 ERA and a .53 WHIP, 16 Ks in 15 innings, and has a walk. He's a 27th round pick. A single walk. A single walk, and he's a 27th round pick. You know, last year he was drafted, came out of the bullpen to just kind of get your feet wet in pro ball. They made him a starter. He's done well. Um, the start before his last, uh, he was cruising and had three innings, and it rained. It rained out his game. Um, Ryan Weathers pitches tonight. I wouldn't be, I think he pitches maybe tomorrow or the next day. I think he pitched on the 19th. Um, but that curveball he's got is a hammer. It's a hammer. And, you know, this is a 27th round kid that no one wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And he's in our system. You know, he's another one of those guys that you want to root for him. Well, wh when was Nick Margavichis drafted? He was a later round pick, wasn't he? He was a ninth round pick, I believe. Ninth round? Okay. Ninth round. Um, Anyway, so that's yeah, seventh round pick for Nick. Seventh, yeah, seventh round pick. So that rounds up all the affiliates. I hope you guys kind of like the old single, double, triple idea. Um, when we may go into home runs, we, 
I, I find that we can tend to talk a little bit longer on each kind of subject. I, I think it flows better than trying to right. recap games and giving box scores and stuff. Because I can stumble up some words. But <laughs> well, that's we, it. We all the, can. That, you know, that's it. So there's some other news going on in uh, in your world. In my world? Well, okay. So there's a new blog called Breakfast Town where uh, a bunch of the people who um, we had our mass exodus from Gaslamp Ball and the gang decided You're to- fired. Well, you I, I wasn't, wasn't fired. You weren't fired, but there was firing. A couple of friends of mine were were essentially fired. Yeah. And as contractors, quote unquote, we were let go. We were released from our contract, whatever they want to say. But anyway, we wanted to keep the good feel, the good vibes going. Yeah. Because it was a good environment. We all have fun writing. Yeah. And we had a bunch of people that interacted with us and they wanted to fall, you know, find us somewhere else. So Jody and a guy named John, I think he pronounced his last name Crean. He's at C-R-E-A-N-I-U-M, like cranium. Um, so John is a web developer. Okay. And so he went on WordPress and put together the, the page and he's adding all these modules and putting all this functionality, making it look cool. And so we've got the discussion boards and all that. So it just went live last week. It's called Breakfast Town. I think it's a play off of a, a something that Tom Garfinkel came up with that he said San Diego is a breakfast town because people like to go out to breakfast in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. So that was a running joke with Gaslamp Ball before before I came along. But that's the name they decided on, so we're rolling with it. Um, it's kind of cool because then uh, Tim, uh, Tim the Heck guy it has like the scrambled or soft or no. Yeah. But now, to go back to the whole Twitter thing, and like, why is everyone talking about eggs? Like... Who wants their eggs scrambled or who like sunny side? Like, where did that come from? Did that come from a- Angela the breakfast town? Okay. Yeah. Angela was doing that kind of trying to play off of the, the thing. I love that idea. I love it. It's like scrambled. It's shitty. Sunny side up. That's good. That's upside. Yeah. Over medium. That could not be so well. Yeah. Yeah. So he was having some fun with that or like hot links. So when he, if he does an article where he's talking about articles that he found and stuff, it's going to be called hot links, like in breakfast, hot links. Right, right. Yeah. So he's having some fun it. with it. So it's a blog, but we're also going to, like, I'm going to post the link to our podcasts there. I'm going to throw up a little article describing what we talked about. Fantastic. And, and throw a link to the, the podcast. I think he's talking about adding some kind of podcast hosting capacity. Okay. So we might be able to move away from SoundCloud, but I don't know how that works as far as subscribers and stuff. Uh, so we'll see how that all works going forward. That's kind of cool. Yeah, Breakfast Town, breakfast and it's town. we're we're trying to be more open. I'm mean, not that Gaslamp Ball was a closed thing by any means, right. but since it was an SB Nation thing and there were contracts involved, deadlines. Yeah, and there were yeah, and content. There's, there's none of that. There's no quotas or whatever. All that game stuff. threads on days. There's no games. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that they did that today. But I'm not going <laughs> to talk trash about the formal place. Um, I didn't write for him. I could talk trash all I want. Ty but, France. Is your depth at third base, you knucklehead? He may not be the answer to Manny Machado, you knucklehead, but he is depth in your organization. If Manny Machado goes down, we have third baseman. Oh, yeah. Knucklehead. You got Jason Vossler. You got Seth Mejias yeah. Breen, who's also having a really nice season so far. Know your sport, boy. You've got a bunch of guys. I mean, third base is a position of depth all of a sudden for the Padres. Yes. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's called Breakfast Town. Uh, it's going to be a bunch of stuff. I, I know that Tim the Hat Guy brought his friends Tony LaSoya and yeah. Padres No Hitter um, yeah. because they have the, uh, the, hat, the SD Hat Collectors yeah. blog. Yeah. So I think they're going to pull some of that content in. They were talking about maybe doing a podcast. I mean, we're going to have some fun with it. Whatever we want to do, we can do it. And that's a great thing. Just have fun with it. There's yeah. no deadlines. Like I didn't, there wouldn't, I checked, I think today or yesterday. And like, there was an article written 
since a, you know like a couple of days, several days ago. Like it's well, okay. Who cares? You know? We're all still getting our like. I haven't put an article up on it yet right. because I haven't had the time to put one together, and I also haven't had the inspiration to kind of trigger me to do it. I kind of wanted to do a reaction to something I saw somewhere else, but I didn't have the time to do it today. And a six-game slide will definitely depress you. Yeah, but I think we will get back into doing. Um, like we were doing a, a, a pregame and the game thread and the recap. I think we'd like to get back to something like that once we got enough people on board and the momentum to do that. Right, right. Because it is nice to have the rhythm of you know new content pro- constantly coming up because then you write your, your pregame and, oh, hey, here's some other stuff going on today. Um, and I love the comments. I love the like getting – like before Gas and Ball went to hell – I tried to get in there and like, okay, that's a game thread. How do I get into that? Because I want to comment on the game. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, I probably user error. I'm okay with saying that. Well, you, did, you didn't have a login or whatever? I had a login, but I didn't know how to get to the game thread. I didn't even know what that meant. Oh. But that's probably me. <laughs> but that was one of the things I loved the most about that was that you could throw an article up there and then all of these discussions would 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 burst out of it. They'd yeah. all you branch out in these different directions. And it was a lot of fun. So what I've done is I've reached out to someone. I reached out to a couple of people to try to get some of those designs for the shirts uh, started or done. Oh, the Friars on the Farm shirts. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and basically what I want us to do is to just whatever the design that I had was the Mackenzie Gore silhouette with uh, Dominate the Day, you know, with his name. And any sales of these shirts and any of the other designs that I, I hope to try to get made somehow – um, it's go straight to the booster club. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to make any money off this thing. I don't, it's not going to pay for my sound or SoundCloud account. It's not going to do nothing, but it's going to be a cool shirt to have and the money will go to a good use. Um, so if you guys listen to this and, and you want to contact me or Roy, uh, reach out to us. Cause I've, I've got some cool ideas, maybe two or three shirts and maybe it takes us all season to get it done. But I think they're going to be some cool ideas. I got some cool ideas and they can get done and, well, it's been fun watching like the the Kept Faith guys came up with the Chain Gang T-shirt oh already. God, I can't sick. wait for mine to come in for that. Yeah, you know we haven't gotten far as Patreon. I don't think we're that. You know, I don't think we're at Patreon caliber. But uh, it's just a good idea to kind of have. Well, you hear the chains, you hear the dogs rattling. It's time to say goodbye. <laughs> you can reach me, you can reach me on Twitter at sd donovan s d o n a v a n, and I'm at zippy underscore tms single underscore single underscore one underscore yes all right go Padres go Padres